Hello and welcome back to W Rated, the podcast where we willingly watch the world's worst rated movies. In today's episode, we delve into the next film on IMDb's bottom 100 list and welcome a new special guest. For any new listeners, my name is Daisy and as always, I'm joined by podcast co-creator, editor and host Claire. How are you doing? Uh, I am doing fine. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have anything else to say for once. That's No it. stories. No, no stories. No, I don't want to jinx myself. So. <laughs> well, we have joining us Glasgow critic and co-host of Little Women in Black Found the Pants podcast. It's Callum Cooper. Welcome. Hello, it's so great to be here. I can't wait to talk. Well, I mean, the film in question is, well, questionable, but it's great to talk movies with you two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I think um, as long as the company is good, then you can talk about any kind of film. <laughs> and I think that's how me and Claire have kept going, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I concur that sentiment 100%. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been excited for you to come on to the podcast. Um, I think you you chose this you chose this film specifically, right? This isn't one that we've thrown at you. This is something that you've wanted to talk about. This was a request because he had a different film, and then we circled back and gave him his dream film. This is yeah, Callum's he dream <laughs> film. He was have second choice, and then he got given his first choice. Can you imagine? <laughs> Tell us all about what your first choice for the podcast is. Uh, so my first choice for this podcast that we're covering it was a, a a very special animated movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, you know, I think it was framed as uh, like a modern version of Toy Story or something. But what it ended up being was the Emoji Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 2017's Emoji Movie from Sony Pictures Animation. Um, it's got a 3.3 on IMDb, number 42 on the bottom 100 list. So we're going going quite down the middle on this one. Not not the worst of the worst, but not the best of the worst either, which I can, I can kind of like agree with that sentiment, to be honest. Um, Callum, why did you pick the Emoji Movie? Um, so I have an interesting relationship with the Emoji Movie, particularly in my... I guess, journey as a film critic, because certainly, and I think a lot of folk maybe have been guilty of this, but certainly in my earliest days of writing reviews, I felt like I was almost playing a character and like I had to be hyperbolic if I was talking about something, otherwise why would anyone want to read it? And the Emoji Movie was one of those films that, again, at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, I remember having genuine contempt for at the time. It was uh, it was one of those ones that I really especially didn't like. And particularly with this podcast and how, you know, as you guys have said before, you try to maybe be a little bit more positive with looking at these films. I thought, okay, this could be interesting. Maybe now that I've, well, at least I hope I've matured as a person looking, at, looking back at this film with fresh eyes. And okay, I'll I'll have to wait. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy. I was proper on ten hooks then, waiting to see what happened. But no, yes, let's, we let's will wait until let's, wait yeah. until spoiler territory. Claire, did you have a? Sorry, I just also love the 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 bite. Uh, what sound bite that we got there? You kind of said, "I have a special relationship with." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, so never it, I interpret that as you will, listeners. Yeah. Do you have a special relationship with the Emoji Movie, Claire? 
know. So I much. don't. I'd never seen it before. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just looking up when it came out and like what other kind of things were coming out at the same time, and like I think I just didn't really pay any attention to it. Um, I think I was just like, that's a film that's in cinemas. It's not really of any interest to me. And I carried on happily with life. <laughs> happily trotting along, not knowing what the Emoji Movie was about until you had to watch it for the podcast. I actually didn't watch it for the first time for the podcast. I actually watched it in the cinema. Same. Oh, by choice or just because you were at the cinema? By choice, because it was around about that time where... So 2017, I would have been um, into into my PR career and I used to uh, have my unlimited card. I got my unlimited card in, um, I think, about 2012, 2013. And it was just about this time where I had those, like, times at the weekend or times after work where I'd pop to the cinema and just see what the next thing that was on. And this was one of those times. And don't get me wrong, I didn't always enjoy what I saw, but I always felt like I got something from it because I was just like rolling the dice seeing something I wouldn't normally want to see and uh and then being surprised by quite a lot of stuff this isn't probably one of the ones that I would highlight as a you know as a as a great outcome of that but you know you got you can't you got to take the good with the bad at the end of the day you can't expect all of them to be great but I remember still I didn't didn't hate it at the time um can't can't promise that I feel the same way now. <laughs> oh, oh. Daisy went in positive, come out negative. Callum went in negative. Will he come out positive? Oh, well, let's just go straight into spoiler ter- territory then. Um, so if you haven't seen the Emoji movie and you don't want it spoiled, pause here, go away, watch it, rethink your choices, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we can uh, we can kick off with what we thought about the film. Callum, tell me, tell me, was your mind changed on this rewatch? Um, not a whole lot, to be honest. I mean, I think, I mean, okay, I think now that I would say I'm less insecure about my position as a critic and aware that I don't need to be, like, shaking my fists and going gammon if I don't like a film, you know, like, because... <laughs> but it, I've never heard that before. That's great. But I, like, like I can still, I can still say that movie was a bit shit, wasn't it, and move on in my life. But it's, I don't. There were one or two elements of it looking back where I'm like, okay, that's that was kind of creative, and I see what they were going for. But I still find it to be a, I mean, a rather soulless movie at the end of the day. Like you know, you can when you think of a film. I, I know every film technically exist to make some kind of money you could argue but this just this feels like a really elongated commercial and not in the good way mm. not in the super bowl way no <laughs> the it's the only elongated commercial i could think uh, of. you know those you know the, those segments in a uh, wayne's world where uh, they say i'll never be a corporate sellout and he opens up a giant pizza hut box it's like yeah. it feels like that but they were being serious yeah, that, but not self-referential. I, <laughs> like, completely can. Precisely, I. Mm-hmm. Claire, what did you think? I just got lost on a little tangent there because I was trying to Google have they ever actually made a movie out of a Super Bowl advert, but um, it's that's quite difficult to Google. So I don't know. So <laughs> listeners, I've forgotten about this by the time this episode releases. Yeah. If you know the answer to that question, please 
or you want to google it yourself and then um at me at w rated pod because i'll care then um <laughs> <laughs> honestly i told you this i'm a mess today um Welcome what do i think of the movie i liked it don't know what the fuss is about you're all mad <laughs> wow i did not expect wow that. it's a fuck it's it's a fine movie. It's a it's a mm-hmm. it's a silly it's little animated movie about a couple of cartoon characters going on an adventure and finding love, aka most lowbrow kids movies. Like it's fine. Yeah, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be like winning awards, which it didn't. I don't think. <laughs> Unless it won some bad ones. It won I mean. bad ones. <laughs> yeah, no, I, didn't, I didn't look that up. Daisy will tell yeah. me later. But like, it, I, I also don't think it should win bad awards. So it shouldn't mm. be winning any awards whatsoever. But like, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's nothing original. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But like, kids want to watch movies. Kids like bright colors. Kids like mm. simple stories. Parents need somewhere to take the children. Yeah. Really appreciate if parents take the children to go and see the emoji movie and not the movies I want to see. Because yeah. then they won't yeah. be loud Aye. and annoying. Um, like, I just... So my, my you asked me at the start what my relationship to the film was. And other than it being on the list, I had no relationship. But I told my housemate that I would be watching the film. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh my god, I love that film. And I was oh. like, are you joking? And she's like, no, I'll watch that with you. I really like it. She has watched it multiple times. She's unfortunately not here right now. Because oh. I, I, I even said to her, I was like, when do we record... I'm going to have to get you to come into the room and explain yes. why you like it. But yes. she is mysteriously out of the house this evening. Um, well, well, well. But yeah, she was like, it's fun. And so she watched some of it with me while she like popped around the house. And um, yeah, like I watched it between Shrek 1 and 2 and Shrek 3 and 4. I watched what it sang in the middle. Uh, yeah, it was quite a good sandwich. And um, I'm going to say, Emoji Movie, more enjoyable than Shrek 3. Like, there's not much in it. Interesting. But I got more enjoyment out of Emoji Movie than I got out of Shrek 3. It was a fine, cute movie about some little things. I have no interest in ever watching it again. But you're all insane. Why? How can you have this much energy to have this much hate about just a simple little movie? Just... It- I think you're right. I think you're onto something there about there's a time and a place for things. And also not everything has to be like Pixar Studio Ghibli. Like, but, well, like the biggest argument and like there is a valid argument and I'm sure we'll talk about it. And I've like steamrolled through this. We had the like I just I've just skipped to the end because my brain doesn't work anymore. But like one of the biggest arguments for why this film is shit is because it's an advertisement. I'm very sorry to announce to the world, but 95% of all films, television, games are fucking advertisements. <laughs> the media's main purpose is to sell you shit, whether it's product or ideas. Take a media studies literature course. It is there to sell you shit. It's like you know what respect to the film for just being up front and being like we're trying to tell you just dance and you know what yeah. kids like just dance what would it have been better if they made a fake like just yeah. move like a little fake shit <laughs> yeah, one because we all right, would actually, have known would... it what they meant was just dance like when in a movie instead of having an apple phone they have a pear phone we still fucking know it's they apple. do that on iCarly don't they yeah that's right they, they did we still know it's an iphone yeah and it still makes your brain go oh i want an iphone so like Fair right. play to this movie for just being like, here's the real shit. Yeah. And like, 
every single fucking Pixar movie is trying to sell you toys. I used to work mm-hmm. for Disney. They want you to buy the merch. They want you to buy the the theme park ticket. Yeah. They want you to buy the movie and the subscription to the streamer. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to watch movies that are all capitalist and selling you shit, then please cancel every subscription service you have, give away 95% of your DVD collection, and go and support independent movies. Because that's the only way you're doing it. I'm done. I apologise. I just complained about people being angry. And then I just went, oh. I think that wraps it up for today's episode. And, uh... I, say, I need to, need to wipe, we, yeah, I need, need to wipe the blood off my face there because I just mentioned it in advertisement. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know really where that came from other than all my thoughts compressed into a giant mush. I mean... Discuss. I mean, to be fair, yeah, it's like a start of an exam question. <laughs> I mean, to to be to be fair with you, Claire. Like when I was rewatching the film for this podcast, and yeah, I'm st- I'm not going to pretend that I liked it. I didn't. I still really don't like it. But reading through some of the reviews, people were saying at the time. Like I, I even look back at my own review that I wrote at the time. I'm like, okay, that's okay. Yeah, I think it's bad, but it's not quite an insidious evil as someone called it you know i think maybe that's a bit extreme Mm, yeah do you think it's an easier target because it's a kid's film it's an easy target because it's a big corporate machine and i just get very fed up on twitter with like people and i don't want to be like i love disney but i do i fucking love disney we all know i love disney like Mm -hmm. let's just you know wearing a yoda t-shirt at the moment yay disney um but I'm so fed up all the time of people being like, oh, Disney is shit, Disney like, ruin everything because they just want you to buy shit. Like, so do Amazon, so do Netflix, so yeah, do yeah, Apple, yeah. so do Sky. And this feels like the ultimate version of that, being like, oh, this movie is so horrible and corporate because it just wants us to buy things. Well, do you know who else wanted you to buy things? The Lego Movie and Bracket Ralph. And yes, this is a low-class knockoff of both of those films, and it does not succeed where those films succeeded but it doesn't... But you're it, right, you never get... You don't hear that same criticism and the Lego movie is literally based on toys. Aye. Yeah, but, but it's a great yeah. film. And, like, I adore the Lego movie. I want no slander towards the Lego movie. It is a five-star piece of perfection. But why do people get so angry at, like, one specific thing when there are hundreds of examples of the same thing? It's fine to say you didn't like the story. It's fine to say if you didn't like the animation, though I think that's wrong because I think the animation is beautiful i think the use of color is beautiful they had the art director or or the production designer of pan's labyrinth do the design for this film you cannot say that they did not put all Mm. the work into the visuals of it and i thought it looked lovely it i just i don't get it i'm angry about people's anger and i don't know where this has come from (laughs) i'm Mm. so sorry i wonder if i wonder if a little bit it comes from a, a place of you know when people have opinions because they think they should have them it's like Mm -hmm. oh well it's just that thing of like um sort of like the cut and paste thing of oh i can't i'm supposed to do think this and i'm supposed Mm -hmm. to think that and if i don't i'm this and if i don't i'm that so it's like rather than going in and just judging it for what it is and letting yourself feel oh i felt that was a way too in my face as it felt like an advert etc they've what they've done is that they've they've drawn conclusions in their head about things mm-hmm. before they've even experienced it and probably just them kind of what's the phrase where it's just like when it they've, they've come up with a with a hypothesis and then they've gone in there wanting to prove it 
yeah. as opposed to just experiencing it. And what I will say is that I'm proud of myself for not doing that because I actually enjoyed it, the, very much enjoyed it the first time. And I thought it was really fun as well. And I think my issue with it this time, and by the way, I was joking earlier, I didn't hate it at all. You can hate it. I'm not. I'm not mad at anyone. No, no, no. Even though my voice very clearly. I was like, oh, I feel like she's got the wrong end of the stick here. I genuinely don't hate it. I think it's absolutely of the road as well. You all as society, society is one. You, we are a society. (laughs) (laughs) That means you. (laughs) And you (laughs) into the microphone and all the listeners. Um, my issue with it this time is that to me it felt dated, because Mm. when I watched it the first time. It very much was almost on the precipice of already being dated anyway. Uh, But what I, what the biggest glaring thing for me was, was that those kids aren't kids anymore. And what kids are doing now aren't those, doing what those kids are doing. Like it was very, very minimal presence of social media. And to me that kind of took it out, took it out. I felt like it was a little bit more like, turning red (laughs) than anything super relevant you know it was it's starting to become a bit like nostalgia and and a bit of a a period piece so to speak (laughs) you know it's not quite it's not quite there yet but you can see the disparity of how far technology is coming in the last five years and about how kids watching that now I mean I don't know about kids but more teenagers Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's just, I don't know, it's this this weird limbo of a, of a relic where it's not quite nostalgic yet, but it doesn't feel present. What I will say is my final note in on, on the movie is I'm not sure this is how phones or teenage boys work. Yeah, and I wonder if I thought that anyway the first time. I think it's always with these things when, when adults are trying to appeal to kids. It's always how do you do, fellow kids, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. they not. They're... You can always tell it's like it's not a teenager speaking; it's an adult thinking what a teenager speaks like, you know. And I don't know, as someone who was a teenage boy at one point, I'll be honest. I can't really, <laughs> I can't really talk about the accuracy. I know we probably use our phones just as much as anybody else, but. But I, I think it was relatively okay, I guess. I mean, the character, I think his name's Alex, is pretty cut. He's yeah. pretty cut and paste. He's very two-dimensional, but he seems to have... Get the... He doesn't really have a character, really, does he? It's just, it's just t- teenage boy likes teenage girl. He's the low-budget version of Riley from Inside Out. Right. I pretty yeah. much. Um, just, just for context for those who haven't seen it, um, the... The film itself, the characters are emojis, but they live on on this this boy Alex's phone. So we do see moments of Alex using the phone and how what's happening and the phone is affecting him in his life. But he's not actually the principal character. And the the phone, so the emojis go rogue and it messes up the phone. So mm-hmm. Alex decides he's going to take the phone to the shop to get it wiped. And yeah. the emojis realize this, and then it means if it's wiped, they'll all be deleted and die. Um, mm-hmm. so that's like the, the the big drama of the movie yeah so much like inside out which i know people have compared this to is that the the crux of the story is about the things that are inside and then the characters who are either using it or, or inside of mm-hmm. 
that they have a very ba- they have very basic plot points which affects and is affected by what's going on. But yeah, I mean, the boy is very much like a a vessel for, <laughs> for the for the plot to go through, <laughs> rather than being like the Lego Movie. It is almost a complete mush of. Wreck-It Ralph and Inside Out but without mm. the heart of both of those films because like the whole thing in Wreck-It Ralph is if Ralph and I would say Wreck-It Ralph too actually as well yeah well something like Inside Out as well Riley is such a concrete fascinating character in that film whereas here so much personality all of the likes and dislikes I uh, was here it's it is just I don't know part, part of my friends is just kind of horny teenage boy for the most part isn't it you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, he's sensitive. He's sensitive. <laughs> well, okay. Um, he's one of those things where you don't know why he likes the girl. You don't know anything about him. Well, I will say I found a very um, good article from when the film was released from Den of Geek called Explaining the Emoji Movie. And it was kind of an in-depth article with TJ Miller, um, who voices our main emoji, and um, Tony Leondis, who I believe is the director. He is, and he uh, wrote it. He wrote the film as well. Yeah. So one mm-hmm. of the kind of interesting sound bites from the interview is they talk about like the more serious undercurrent of the story. Um, so the owner of the phone, a young man, Alex, struggles to communicate via social media and emoji with the girl he fancies, a problem all too common today in an age when we do almost all our interaction with others through our devices. And then the quote from Leon Dis is, we did a lot of research on 15-year-olds, and apparently when a girl sends you a text, it's a lot of pressure on what you answer back, says Leon Dis. Mm. Nowadays, this is a new way to ask someone out. So this girl just likes something on his Instagram, and the pressure is now... How do I reach out to this girl? How do I communicate? How do I express myself? He struggles through the whole movie and because of what's happening with the emoji, the phone is making a fool out of him. Now, that is lovely, but Mm. I just love the, we did a lot of research on 15-year-olds and apparently when a girl sends you a text, it's a lot of pressure. Like, how much fucking research did that take? How many people were in a room (laughs) with laptops, bits of paper being like, boys... Girls, (laughs) Girls, <laughs> I'm trying to draw lines. Like, oh god! But then, do you know what? You explaining that—that that feels like a story that we didn't get. Like the the, the bare bones of it are there. Do you want know it? It was like storyboard level. Mm-hmm. We've inside out. What's going on with the emotions and Riley are are all into yes you're getting the the effects of, of of each other but it's all part of one story the the emojis don't actually care about alex you know, they care about no. not being deleted and they care about doing their job right because they don't want to be deleted it's about them it's about themselves and i wonder if that as small as it is <laughs> makes a big difference in terms yeah. of caring about the plot because we don't relate to emojis, we relate to people. <laughs> and and like another from a different article, because like, is his name Tony Lee on this, or have I just given him a new first? Tony. 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 Um, I don't know why I can't stick that in my brain. That's my dad's name. Learn it. Um, so he did another, um, this is from the Mercury News, um, where he talked about what made him want to do the movie. And like the final bit, it, it, it sounds like he went into it with such good intentions. Mm, and like you yeah. say, Daisy, it just missed a link that, pulled it all together it doesn't have that heart yeah that thread that just he 
yeah that ties it all neatly up yeah. in a bow but um mm-hmm. so like this lovely quote from him is actually kind of sad and like obviously also there's like director bullshit is like a common thing like whenever you see, <laughs> no. whenever you see sad, a marvel movie you know it's bullshit <laughs> so, like yes my film is inspired by all of these really us and then you go to like no it's a marvel movie like, what the fuck talking about? <laughs> um but so this one from leon this from the mercury news he says, um, what I love about emojis and why I think people love them so much is the human heart has found a way to express itself, even in a world of technology. When my mother sends me an emoji, it really means something. It makes me smile. It touches my heart. <laughs> Daisy has lost it. Uh, listeners at Sorry. home. <laughs> I just, I couldn't keep a straight. I've, I've covered my mouth to try and not distract you. Oh, what I couldn't I lo- see you. <laughs> What I love about emojis is <laughs> no, no, <laughs> stop. Oh. To be fair, and Tony, no, like my dad has recently gone into sending gifts, and like it's like watching a child play with his new favorite toy. So you know what, I kind. Oh my god, I think I remember you <laughs> sharing that with us. So that was you know, so you know, I I kind of see where he's coming from when he says that in a really morbid way. <laughs> It yes. just made me laugh the first time I read that. Though. I was like, "So you made an entire emoji movie because your mum once sent you like a fish emoji." So, so, so here's the thing: is that the reason I'm laughing as well is because I know that that's retrofitted because he want his Toy Story apparently is a big inspiration for him, and so we all know he was looking for the perfect opportunity to do a Toy Story remake in a different format. And it just apparently he he got sent an emoji, and then that sparked the idea. My guy, it's perfectly okay to say, I like this film, this happened, it sparked an idea. You don't have to tell me about how it's related to the relationship with your mother because I I don't believe it. <laughs> because I'm not being funny, but if you said that's how me and my children connected by text because it's their primary language and that's how I came up with it. Sure, but at the end of the day, like, it might be sweet that your mum's learning how to use emojis, but I just, I just think that's a bit. I just think it's <laughs> And it, it's funny that you say that he was really inspired by Toy Story because on the, I'm just reading you all articles now. What is wrong with me today? I have no train of thought. I can't wait to edit this. I can't wait for criticism. I mean, no one listens, but if you have listened, let us know and criticize whatever the. You're fuck gonna I'm cut doing that today. out though. <laughs> I might leave it in. I oh, okay. might leave it in. I was think, no, because I was hoping that you'd leave it in, and then you said about cutting. I was like, and then you said that. I was like, but you're just gonna. <laughs> Will um, she? Won't she? Who knows? No, no I've lost what I was reading. So back to the Den of Geek article. He, one of his quotes was um, literally, I just thought, oh my gosh, these are the new toys of the world. I mean, you can make a movie about cars. You can make a movie about dot, dot, dot. So yeah, he wanted to make his own toy story. And apparently emojis are the new toys of the world. Which mm. like, when I got my Memoji, I did have a lot of fun trying to make the little like zebra thing. Like that was fun. Like, I do yeah, like the but I would argue stuff. that that's even different. That's di- that's a different thing. They're filters. I like Snapchat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So yeah, sorry, I'm a little bit cynical about that. To be honest, I think he should have <laughs> just been honest and been like, I was really inspired by why X- Toy Story works because XXX wanted to bring it into the the new generation of kids. I noticed that we keep talking about emojis. I thought there must be something there, and you know. Not, oh, this is a big emoji. The voice had a special place I mean, in my heart. Shut it's, up. It's half and half because, like, I'm sure we've all, we've all had experience in film criticism and film journalism. The man gives a good interview. I've read a few and interviews. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why that, I know. 
that, that's that what I know. <laughs> so I'm like, he gives good interview from so from that side of thing. I'm like, well done him because they're really interesting articles to yeah, read. Yeah, yeah, and he's given sure. the report, but he's done his the, job. But then on the flip side of that, I'm like, my dude, just say I like animated movies. I want to be an animated film director. They offered me this film. I said yes. <laughs> I did it. They gave me money. I go and make mm-hmm. new thing now. Well, he hasn't. He hasn't. But there is going to be a new one out this year that he's doing, which is intriguing. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes next because he's only done one other film. I don't know if you've seen Igor. Igor. I've not seen it, but I do know of it. I. Yeah. I it's um, the name. Isn't it some? Isn't it like? Oh yeah. It looks like. Yeah, yeah I can't, it it's creepy. like quite gothicy kind of. Yeah. But he has, like, a long history in the animated world. Like, he worked on The yes. Prince of Egypt back in, like, 1998. So I feel like this was, like, his attempt to kind of go to the next level. Not that every storyboard artist wants to one day be a director, but clearly he did. Claire's right. Um, he, uh, Tony Leondis came from Animation and Art Department. He actually wrote, wrote Kronk's, Kronk's New Groove. Oh! Um, and, yeah, and he direct, his other feature he directed was Igor. Um and then he's, I'm just, I was just trying to look up, um, he's got another film coming out um, this year called The Yin, the Yin Yang Brothers. Um, it doesn't look like there's too much information at the moment, but um, apparently it's about two brothers and a wolf who had no clue what he did, but it would probably have a milky way to make a cosmic shape. That doesn't make sense sentence. I'm confused. I started reading it and then I realised that these are just all words and they don't form a sentence, so... Whoever's edited put that on IMDb, give it another go. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's interesting that he's he's got another film out this year, um, considering he's not really done much. Um, interesting as well. So oh, I, I I wanted to just interject because I finally found it. I was trying to find it on the internet. I'm doing a lot of um live research today. Live research. Um, so do you know who else works on this movie? Yes. I don't know if it, it, is it is it the same one. Does does he know the know. Muffin Man? Does he know the Muffin Man? Oh. No, so not. the voice of Gingy in Strek one, two, three, and four, um, Gingy, Gingy, <laughs> um, voiced the Trojan horse, whoever Trojan horse was in this movie. Um, oh, probably one of the virus. Oh, he, he was the bar guy. The, ah, the bartender. But his name is Comrade Vernon, and he was also a storyboard artist on this oh. and oh. Um, uncredited on Wreck It Ralph. Interesting. So, Gingy gets around because he also did a lot of. Um, did he, he did a lot of work on shrek as non-acting stuff also the dude is multi-talented and See, like one of my they, favorite animated they cross, characters they cross um oh he directed shrek too <laughs> yeah I was, about to, I was about to say i've heard the <laughs> no, name what? before and that that's where it's probably directed shrek too i couldn't remember if it was two or three because i was like please don't be free oh no wonder yeah. No wonder there was a giant gingerbread man in the second one. Then. <laughs> Come on, girl. I mean, Shrek Two is the best Shrek movie in my opinion. So yes, and you can hear more about my Shrek opinions on an episode of Binge Movies, which I'm recording in five days. I was about to do like you know those disclaimer things, just like you can find more details, but I do it really quickly, but my brain wouldn't work quick enough. So, um, what who I was thinking of is um also another writer um on the team who uh, alongside our pal tony i'm just trying to find where i wrote it and i can't find it where is it oh um, live research mike no i wrote this i just wrote it in a more linear way than we're discussing <laughs> sorry um, <that's> me. <laughs> mike white 
writer of School of Rock, Natural Libre, Ooh. also known as oh. um, Mr. Sinead Blay, the original, not Jack Black's version. <laughs> that's that's so, tough because you gave me School of Rock, aka one of the best kind of kids, not kids, it's like a family film ever. Yes. And then you gave me Natural Libre, quite possibly one of the worst films I've ever I've seen in my entire life. I've never seen it. It's a piece of shit. Well... So how the mighty fall, I guess. But um, no, it's the so it's the guy who I know as the the housemate who is the real Sakai teacher. He wrote School of Rock. He wrote Naturally Me, and he had a hand in writing this. So he's kind of all over the shop in terms of quality. I would say. But, and <laughs> this film is mad for that. Like we haven't even got into the voice casting yet. But just behind the scenes, we've got someone who's been in the animation industry for what mm-hmm. by this point nearly twenty years. We've got the director of Shrek Two working as a storyboard artist. We've got the production designer from Pan's Labyrinth working on production design That's in mad. the film. You've got like such a wealth of brilliant behind the scenes talent. And then we also have like all of the, um, like this is the best cast we've ever had in a film that we've talked about. Like yeah. the, the names in this are yeah. outstanding. And it sounds like it was like it, on paper, everything about this film should work. You've got the best people behind the camera, even though it's animation, and the best people in front of the camera, even though it's animation. And you've got a, a solid, you know, piece of IP to build from. Um, like, it feels like they, they really went out of their way to try and make this the best film it could possibly mm-hmm. be, whether or not you like the outcome or not. Mm. We, we often talk in, in these episodes about how you can absolutely tell why it's on the list and the point in which it failed. And it's mm. nine times out of ten because something went wrong on the production, something was mm. skimped on, something wasn't developed enough. Whereas like it feels like everything was put into the production of this movie and it couldn't have gone better. Well they did have a shorter time to do it. Oh. Um they rushed well, they they rushed it through, so to speak. They didn't yeah. rush it. Um because of the nature of it they didn't want it to become outdated um so they did it in two years and i think an animated film is usually four to five depending i think i think actually the film was on the end of a bidding war for quite a while between several distribution companies Mm -hmm. i think it was if i've got my facts i think it was warner sony and i want to say paramount but i could be wrong on the third one that's interesting because like i totally assumed it was a sony thing because sony cell phones does Sony still cell phones? They use the cell phones. Do they still cell phones? Yeah. I mean, they sell cameras yeah. and that, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I definitely yeah, they sell phones. They sell phones. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. So like, I thought this was definitely like I thought it was them trying to sell more phones. To be honest. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think if they had always planned to make and distribute it, they would have. They probably would have made the phone have a Sony logo. Yeah. And they didn't probably because they maybe were well, as you say, were considering. Well, they is Columbia's a, a Sony company, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. So maybe they just would decided to see if they can get some more money from other people, and then mm-hmm. decided to keep it. Or I don't really know how it works to distribution, even if it's the same conglomerate. Do they still have to bid, even if it's their own animation? Mm-hmm. Please call in and let us know. Yeah, let us know. Not not the first clue about that. Um, but um, also, TJ Miller did some rewrites on the script as well. He voices, as Claire said, he voices our main emoji, meh. Is his name Gene? Oh, yes. yes, his name's Gene, which is really, <laughs> uh, such an odd like choice. 
I think that's why they did it though, because it's just a really Jean, like. Right. Well, Jean is yeah. like a really like boring nerdy. Like if you like if right. you said Jean, you'd be like, oh, the little nerdy guy in like a fifties, you know. Sure. 60s. Aye. So. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the emojis because I feel like we've we've talked a little bit about this story with uh, with who owns the phone. And uh, Claire, you gave us a rundown on the plot. But please um, let me know when I can go into my TJ Miller soapbox rant. No, we're not. No, <laughs> how, how long do you need? Um, um, oh, it's, there's a long list. Okay, so yeah, as we've mentioned, TJ Miller voices the main emoji. Claire, do you want to kick off with the TJ Miller soapbox stuff, and then we can kind of move into yeah. other members of the cast? Yes, but, um, it just should be stated for the record that TJ Miller is a very, very problematic gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, this is just Wikipedia research. But um, in 2016, he was arrested for assaulting an Uber driver. In 2017, there were allegations of sexual assault from 2001. Um, those charges, I believe, have been dropped or nothing ever came of them. I wonder if, when they came out in relation to the release of this. If they're both 2017. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Um, in December 2017, um, he sent a transphobic email to film critic Daniel Salzman um, and has said a lot of quite horrific things about them. Um, he has come out and said that he is not, his um, lawyer or representative came out and said he was admittedly going through some things. He isn't transphobic. He just insisted it was a specific issue with this one person. So it wasn't about them being trans. Just does not like Daniel Salzman. Um, who is a working film critic. Um, in 2018, he was arrested because apparently um, in March of 2018, he placed a fake bomb threat on an Amtrak. And when they looked into it, they had seen him have an argument with a woman on a train. And he then called in a bomb threat saying that a suspicious woman had left a bomb on the train. Um, what? So that, that was then, in 2021, those charges were dismissed. Um, and in 2018, um, an, an actress who was working on a show with him, Silicon Valley, accused him of um, work misconduct. Um, the network has said they didn't hear about this and they were disappointed to learn of it um, and nothing ever really came of it. The charges against him for the Amtrak thing were dropped in 2021 because he, um, up earlier in his life, I believe... Um, Oh, I can't remember when it was. At some point in his life, he was found to have um, something wrong on his brain. Um, And so he had to have brain surgery. No, like, um, so sorry, where is it? It was, um, he had a a malformation on his right frontal lobe. So Mm -hmm. he has had um, brain surgery. So in 2021, they said that um, he is still neurologically impacted from that and that that's some of the drama i like nothing has has stuck so maybe maybe these are all just allegations and none of them are substantiated but i just think it's very interesting there's like a pattern of misbehavior there and i do know like danielle solzman um, was someone that i follow on twitter and i know she was very traumatized by her um, interactions with him and i just thought it would be remiss to um talk about him without mentioning some of those things you too can go to wikipedia and learn all about how (laughs) men of hollywood are disgusting people good old wikipedia yeah i want i wonder i wondered if that was going to come up because yeah i remember hearing all those things as it was coming out and it just like you know say what you will about tj miller as an actor but he just he strikes me as someone who 
ha- has a lot of shit going on at best and just doesn't seem particularly pleasant at worst. Yeah, whether he has a lot of shit going on or not, he does not seem to know how to deal with his shit. Aye, precisely. Mm-hmm. Which is in- and it's interesting, the dates around that, how, um, how the PR team... <laughs> What about, about having him lead uh, the new kids movie that they well he was out. he was removed from the third How to Train Your Dragon movie because of right. the uh, some of the allegations and some of the legal drama um, mm. and his character something nuts um, was re- redubbed so he mm. lost out on being in the full trilogy yeah it's I mean it's quite common that not quite common but um, a man in hollywood has bad behavior well oh my yeah Lord. that i meant I, I i was about to say you know there's been a few times we've had to kind of discuss sort of wider controversial things that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily about the film but of people related to the film and it's just as important it's about you know it's i like all, to bring the tone down <laughs> not the tone the mood no, sorry i've not brought it's the tone just, down i've brought the tone up i like to bring the mood down <laughs> i just like <laughs> tone up mood down just how i like it um it's yeah, it's just it's just interesting to, to see the full picture because I'm yeah, as I say, I from from my perspective in my career, I'd love to have been a well not loved, but it would have been very interesting to be a fly on the wall in that scenario and how they mm-hmm. handled that and how it impacted it. But I think we'll go on to it a bit later, but I don't think it had any problem making any money uh, making any money. And I think I don't know how hard they pushed his name in the marketing and how, you know, the timings of that. Um and I don't really know was he more anyway not no. especially I think it was more james corden uh, yeah especially for time. the the audience of this film yes wouldn't sure. and especially in the uk especially especially he wouldn't be known yeah. like he would be he's more got known a good in the he's States. got a good voice for this kind of stuff yeah. it's very expressive um yeah. and i think kids would probably like it's quite good for kids to listen to in in that sort of mm-hmm. sense um I certainly enjoyed listening to him more than James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll do a quick run-through of the other cast and then you can pick out who we want to... So we've got, um, as discussed, TJ Miller as Jean. We've got James Corden as High Five, the, like, high-fiving emoji. We've got Anna Faris as Jailbreak, a mysterious emoji. Um, you've got Maya Rudolph as Smiler, the first-ever emoji, playing Jean's uh, parents, Mr. and Mrs. Mem, Mel and Mary Mer, are Stephen Wright and Jennifer Coolidge. Patrick Stewart um, plays Poop. Christina Aguilera plays Akiko Glitter, the uh, character from Just Dance. And then you've got um, a ton of other people like Sophia Vergara, Sean Hayes, Jake T. Austin, um, and just, yeah, like a whole wealth of different voice cast. Mm-hmm. Do you two want to um, go off on your James Corden hate? Um, but before before we go, it's not hate. I, I, do, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, before we get on to James Corden, no, actually, there's a fun trivia around Patrick Stewart's casting in this film. Because apparently, apparently, they reached out to Jordan Peele to play poop in this film, and he was very unsure of it because he just he didn't really think emojis making a movie was a good concept. But he thought about it for a day phoned back and said, you know, how much money's in it, only to find out that Patrick Stewart had got the role instead. And so apparently it mm-hmm. it encouraged him to give up acting and focus on directing. So in a weird way, the Emoji movie is responsible for Get Out. Yay! <laughs> See, guys, the Emoji movie is good. <laughs> it's all about the balance of... Of 
all things. Yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating when I came across that fact. And it's also like more interesting getting into that like director bullshit. How much is retconned? Um, because I've also like I'm like they Leon just talked about in the Den of Geek interview about like I wanted for poop they wanted to like go away from like not have poop be really like silly and oh I'm a poop have him be like really high class and they're like I wanted to find the classiest guy I knew wanted to find the upper crust classy guy because poop's got to be in the movie. Um, so like he makes oh, it sound just... like straight away the only person they ever wanted was Patrick Stewart. So it's like director bullshit. I can't believe I'm talking on a podcast <laughs> about high class poop emoji. Yeah, just rethinking my life choices. Just I bit. adore Patrick Stewart. Yes, anything he's in is good. His voice work in American Dad continually cracks me up after like what twenty Which years now that he is in it. Oh god, he's so good in American Dad. He plays director Bullock, and he is just mwah, chef kiss. Um, he says some raunchy fucking things. So yeah, just I love any chance for him to do voice work because I think he's really good at it. I weirdly enough, no, because I rewatched the film for the podcast, and even though I respectfully don't agree with Tony's interpretation, I do think for the most part. The joke of the character Poop is just the fact that he's Poop. But there is one back there is yeah. one background joke that I actually that did get a chuckle out of me when I rewatched it, and it's this moment about a third into the film where they've they realized the phone could be deleted and they're all freaking out in the boardroom and you see uh Poop punching a fan, so it's a literal shit hitting the fan joke. That, oh, that, I didn't oh, I see that. Yeah, that, that actually, that's funny. There are a few gems in there. There are like the um the, the emoticons, the emoticons being OAPs, and then yeah. they go, "Oh my colon!" That was funny. <laughs> yeah, like the pun work was like people worked on those, and I did. yeah, you cr- credit yeah. where credits due. Like my second time watching the emoji movie, actually did get a chuckle out of me somewhere. There we go. There we go. No, I think um, I think less so than. Like things like even Wreck It Ralph two, which I really liked. There was a lot of like visual gags, wordplay, things mm-hmm. like that. I, I I love that kind of stuff, and that really worked for me in this. I just feel like it was a little bit few and far between. But like things like the losers lounge was interesting. Of the like the emojis that were chosen to be down there versus mm-hmm. like I was like obviously... not the aubergine. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that the aubergine was there, of course, because it's not being used by kids and all. And this. it's and a I'm teen like, but it is realm. though. It yeah, is it's like be used would, by kids. If... would teen boys usually use? That's where it came from. Adults didn't start that. Well, no, I thought maybe it was a teen girl. Thing. I, I mean, I won't, no, I won't no. confirm or deny that. But all I'll say is that <laughs> if this were like a fifteen or an eighteen rated movie, there's no way the aubergine emoji would have been in the Losers Lounge. No, it would have been the... <laughs> if it was a sausage party style. Oh, I version of this. A lot um... of the same people worked on sausage parties. This. Interesting. Um, any other actors you want to discuss? We've got Maya Rudolph. We've got Anna Faris. I think Maya Just Rudolph is pretty good. Um, she's Amazing. great. Um, great in everything. She's great in everything. I think I prefer her hormone monster voice, to be honest. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, she's 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 brilliant. And I knew you could tell it was her as well. She's just got that richness to her voice. Yeah. I was just going to say, Maya, Maya Rudolph said it was a very difficult role because they kept telling her to smile more when she was doing it. Oh, my God. I bet that, like, got her angsty, though, like, like the character needed yeah. it. Yeah. Because she, spoiler, the smiler is not nice. Um, 
Anna Faris, I feel like it, that could have been anyone that did not sound like Anna Faris to me, like in her usual Anna faris way. It definitely sounded like Anna Faris to me, but it didn't sound like Anna Faris doing anything different to just literally being Anna Faris. It didn't feel like an Anna Faris character. Right. In right. the in the way that like Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs, her character has her own character. Sure. Um, sure. Whereas this just sounded almost like her kind of reading some lines. I don't know if this... Um, what was going on in her life then but i feel like you know she maybe had some, had some maybe personal life personal stuff, stuff happening right. yeah i'm not sure when they split up um right let's just get out of the way james Corden. <laughs> i don't hate the guy i actually spoke to my boyfriend about this and i we, we spoke on the phone the day after i watched this and we were talking about the emoji movie and we were both agreeing that he doesn't deserve hate but he just gets on our nerves <laughs> It's just his voice that grates on me because it's this idea of this, like, he's just putting on... It's just this character he seems to have become with this voice since he moved to the US that's just so... And I just can't. I just can't with it. And um, the first time I watched it, I didn't have an issue. I think I've just, over the over the years now, I've seen more and more of him going, ha-ha, ha-ha, like, you know, just being really... I'm a funny Englishman. It's just like people doing stuff on his show and he's like... I just can't. I can't do it. Um, that I just, yeah, it was just. I, I really had to like breathe through it. <laughs> I really had to stop myself rolling my eyes at it because I was just like, "Don't be silly. This is a kids' film. He, you know, he's doing his job. You know, he's, he's doing his job as that character. Yeah, he is Peter Rabbit. Yes, and that also got brought up in that conversation with my boyfriend because <laughs> we saw Peter Rabbit too as the first film we went to see together when we were dating. Um. Equally annoying as Peter Rabbit, I would actually no. I think he's better. I think he's, in my opinion, he's better as Peter Rabbit. This he's not was... my Peter Rabbit. Benedict Cumberbatch would be my Peter Rabbit. Just a little, Ooh. a little, a little quiet, a little quiet, aristocratic oh, rabbit I like with a little that fan cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this film, I just felt like he understood the assignment. I just didn't want to know about it. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not for me. Not my cup of tea. I know. I'm very much in the same camp with James Corden. I don't. I don't hate the guy. Again, maybe a bit like this film. I think some of the dislike is a bit hyperbolic and a bit. Well, other people do it, therefore I should as well. But I do. I, I get where you're coming from with the whole kind of grating persona thing, and it, it very much feels, for lack of a better way of describing it, it feels like he's showing off, showing himself off in a lot of ways, and it really, yes. it really kind of rubs me the wrong way to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. It's that whole. I'm making a joke. I'm so funny, aren't I? Ha ha! I'm that English guy. Ha ha! And it's just yeah. Also, I'm... I'll draw a line under it now because we don't need to go into detail. Anymore. Aye. Um. May I give my opinion? Please do. Go ahead, no, Joe. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um. No, I just I think I like him more than both of you. And I would say mm-hmm. I'm a fan, but I like him. I think he's a decent guy. I think when he's cast in the right role, I think he does a brilliant job of it. I just think he's very often miscast because like mm. you say, I think he's cast in that very specific persona. Um and what you said about like he got the assignment, I think is entirely correct. I think he got the assignment completely right here. Mm. I just hated the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Skin, skin is gross. I'm sorry, I don't like skin. So like, I don't want to see like a physical hand like yeah, walking he's around. Isn't he? so he's, yeah, he's yeah. using he's all gross. his fingers and his thumb to be. And like, they gave the hand a butt, which freaked me out. I don't yeah, need a butt on my hand. Um, so like, but you know that whole... would make kids laugh. So yeah, it just the whole thing about him being a, a walking, talking hand just made me very uncomfortable. And I wanted <laughs> to um bring up, it's the whole. Like so, there's a whole sequence where they end up in Candy Crush, literally, and they have to play yeah. a game of Candy Crush. Um, and there's like a kind of running joke in that section that High Five really loves candy, and he has a candy addiction, and he can't possibly stop eating candy for two seconds to the yeah. point that he tries to eat his friend because his friend looks like candy. That fat phobic, that fat phobic to me. Be like, oh look, the the the, the hand. Somehow a hand is chubby, and we all laugh because the chubby hand can't stop eating. Oh, I don't think the hand was chubby. Oh, maybe no, it was I, I, I don't know. It just it it it, it, it just me. looked like a sentient hand to me, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Right. Well, I've layered a lot of things onto this. Then maybe it's because you you saw it as James Corden. I just I felt like it was really playing up a trope, especially yeah, because James Corden has struggled with his weight quite publicly. Yeah. So it just I can felt see like... why that might be problematic if you're if you're. Attaching I just it those things based on the act that it's playing in, but I didn't necessarily see. I thought I thought the design was just a bit like chunky, like that, not like oh, no, showing like him as point, a. One point he tries to go character. in somewhere and he like breathes in and like puts a little face. Oh, I must on. have missed that. Then maybe, maybe. I, Unfortunately, I just, it's the common denominator for an easy laugh with. That's, yeah, and that's what irks me. It's so. like it's 2017. Why are we still making jokes that like? Oh, well, the, I mean, the they still. Slides... Did- 2022 yeah, so. yeah i don't know um if, yeah. if you if you too have uh, been affected by the possibly fat phobic comments in emoji movie again if you too have been affected by the anthropomorphic hand with a butt then you <laughs> also please contact me at w rated pod it's uh, the emoji movie the, the um, butthole edition yeah um um i i also wanted to ask you guys what you thought about because Although we've like talked around the plot about like you know getting the um, saving the phone, stop being deleted, and all and all of this, we haven't really spoken about like the theme of around why it's all happening, and that you know um, the main meh emoji known as Gene can't he can't stay in one emo- emotion, which he is doesn't what... want to be meh. He wants to be a spectrum of emotion and he's have very, real um, feelings. He's very. What's the character in Lego Movie? Emmett. Emmett. He's very, he's very like that. He's very like very enthusiastic about life, and he's got main character syndrome. But mm-hmm. in his world, he's just a mare, and like people are like, "Why are you doing the thing that you're not supposed to do?" And it's listen, we did it in B Movie, we did it in Lego Movie. Like you know, it's we've done it before, and they're all called the Something Movie. So there it's you not go. The there you, movie. Um, all B I know movie, about B Movie is a be... woman fucks a bee. Well, we don't see it, unfortunately. Wait, it's not real. Did she actually fuck the bee? No, but there is there are erotic there are erotic undertones, for sure. There's flirting. Actually, you you mentioned uh, I you mentioned Icarly. Have you heard Have you heard about the fan the fan uh, theory around Icarly involving B movie? No. Uh, basically, the uh, yeah, it's absolutely wild. Uh, so there is a character. 
uh, Freddy in iCarly, his mum looks a bit like yeah. the animated character in B movie, oh, yeah, and because yeah, yeah, and because yeah, his dad yeah, is absent, because his dad is absent, there's this internet. Oh, they're saying that his dad's Barry B. Benson. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think even even Nathan Caress, I think, has endorsed it to some extent as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. There you go. Um, so yeah. in the in the film, he's supposed to pick a job as part of the hive. Oh, and like, like and yeah, and he's like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And he's like, but and the the parents are like, but you're born to do it. You're a bee. Like it's you know this whole being different, conforming, stick to the status quo. Yourself. Well, High School Musical couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> um, so it's very much like be yourself, but not like that. Because the theme here is, oh, you know, Gene doesn't shouldn't have to stay being a mayor because. He he's actually the answer to Alex's problem because he can express him, he can properly express himself and multiple tell emotions in multiple one image, multiple emotions, whatever. But then it's just like, as long as you're still doing your job, <laughs> you can do what you want. And it's just like, well, what if he? What if it didn't save the day? They would have all died. So it's like your value is still only worth what you can provide. <laughs> Yes, and the, the film is very much like it's. I, I stole this from somewhere else and I can't remember where, so sorry, wherever I stole this from. Probably one of the two articles I've deeply quoted from because I'm basically plagiarizing them <laughs> for this whole episode. Um, but it's quite interesting that it's quite like working class, blue collary as a film. Like the emojis, it's it's not like they, it's not their purpose in life, it's a literal job. Like they work in shifts and they have like. A chill out room and they like get promoted and things like that like it's very much like mm. i guess capitalism the movie <laughs> which is what it is i'm just imagining what butch riley's take on this one would have been had he directed it, it would have been absolutely wild i imagine oh my god yeah that would still have crazy. not seen that film need to watch it oh my god, you do. You do. what's your what's your guys theory like or thoughts on you know because we were saying this is the capitalist movie and we mentioned earlier about all of the product placement and stuff um obviously more and more of that member berries references dopamine hits like that's so much so common remember. now like i remember um i've only just learned about this because i don't watch south park and now it's my favorite thing it's the only thing i think i do find funny from south park from what i've seen so and I'm actually just i'm just latching became... on to it it became the least funny thing they ever did because it became overdone. It got yeah, it got so overdone. Like they yeah. they, they went they went weird with it. They well, became like gangsters at one point, didn't they? They like they went like Godfather. I mean, I think to be fair with them, they had to like rewrite most of the season because they predicted Hillary Clinton would win that election. So when she yeah. didn't, they had to quickly rewrite the entire episode. Yes, with bad times. Yeah, indeed. Um, for everyone, that- for the world. So that's obviously become a lot more prevalent and a big conversation topic with all of the, the IP and Marvel and more and more studios doing it. Like for me, because of that fatigue, I wonder if I also felt a little bit less interested in this because the first time I watched it, that wasn't as prevalent in like everything. Like like Claire, you and I spoke about it quite at length with the Razzies with Space Jam and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I was less impressed with it because I didn't have the same, oh, Look, that's really clever. Spotify streams, I get it. I was like, yeah, and what well, we I've seen this seen this done so many more times now in cleverer ways. It was very pretty. Yeah, but I've just I think yeah, it's been I've done seen better. So much more inventive stuff since. I was just not as impressed with it anymore. For me personally, no, with the 
uh, product placement. It was probably certainly the first time I saw it. It was one of the things that really drove me nuts about it. But and okay, I think the way they handle things like Spotify, like with the ocean streams being like a music stream, or even Instagram, where it's like a free stream of a moment in time rather than just a picture. Those are quite interesting. Mm. But outside of those two, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, in some of them. I did uh, write down actually the Dropbox stuff because as they go in, they say they're running from illegal malware. They're like, oh, um, illegal malware can't come in here. This is super secure. I was just like, they might as well have gone and put, get your money off Dropbox <laughs> at this code. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, but I get, I get it. Like, And as you were saying, Callum, there are some smart things in there, which I probably, I, I could say absolutely now, I appreciated a lot more in 2017 than I do in 2022. Yeah. Outside um, of, uh, and I think it's just a fatigue of it, and seeing other smarter versions of it. Basically, uh, yeah, I don't know the way I see it. Outside of like Spotify, and Instagram, perhaps for the most part, I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me on this, Claire, but I think, I think it mostly just says this is what it is and presents it as it just like it's just Candy Crush, it's just just dance. Whereas yeah. something like the Lego Movie, okay, yeah, that's it. Literally says in the title what it's a product placement of, but. They incorporate it in a really inventive, creative, and inventive way. Whereas, okay, with the Emoji Movie, I if it were, 2017 me would have said no, it's just completely lazy. 2022 me says, okay, there are bits and pieces of decent ideas in here, but otherwise it's just kind of copied and pasted of what the product is rather than necessarily integrating it into what they're saying. It's not serving the story. It's I just... think... Is it the reason that I don't get that like annoyed about it? Because yeah, obviously it is like um, what's it called? Were they like advertise things? Product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like massive. It's like product placement. The movie, but like when you look at and Wreck It Ralph is like a beautiful, wonderful movie. But like we all know that that game that he goes into where he's running around as the soldier and all the alien eggs hatch. Like we know what that's riffing off. It's riffing mm. off like two or three very popular gaming properties mm. that disney weren't going to pay the money to get the rights to animate like mm. we still know what they're riffing off we still know exactly what they're referring to would it have been better if this movie was like oh a can a, a mix and match candy game and didn't say it was candy crush i don't think that changes i anything. think yeah i think it has to have some depth and um think more of a more of a pull to the story because with that scene in wreck it ralph it's sh- it's shot very yeah. that was quote marks very dynamically and it, oh yeah it, like they do so teams, much more with it so much more with it whereas this is I think yeah. is a little bit more paint by numbers it's a little bit we need the emojis to go on a journey so we'll put them through the different apps and it's not necessarily laddering up to it basically mm-hmm. them going through the different apps isn't relevant to the actual story the story yeah. is that they need to get off the go onto the cloud um, and they do they it's like um like a join the dots or like a there's a word for it but i can't say but like they um, have to go through trials yeah it's more like um it's more like wreck it ralph 2 where he i think he has to get a part from ebay so they go on the internet and then they oh yeah and he eats all the pancakes but no i would still say it, it it serves so much more of the story, like the GTA ripoff game, and that is so important mm-hmm. to Vanellope. Like mm. with this, it doesn't matter what app you're going through; it's mm-hmm. just a rep. It's just like a platform level 
yeah okay now we're in this and they need to get through by dancing because they're in a dance game oh now they're in ca- you know and it yeah, it, it, it's what like it a, is. it's a game itself it's just level one yeah level two like um app one app two yeah, it's app a lot three. more base level yeah. um refer- referential stuff and well um yeah i mean that's fine that's absolutely mm-hmm. fine but then when it's done better elsewhere you can't help but I did really like the um, dance sequence though. What was it like the emoji shuffle or something? I don't know. I just I liked the oh, dance sequence. Emo- emoji. Oh uh, yeah. The emoji pop. Yeah. I liked that. That made me smile. I thought it was cute. You know, zoom in. <laughs> I don't know, cringe a little bit. But... I just like a good dance sequence. In Sonic Two, there's like a dance sequence that I know like all the adults would be hating on, and I was there like, oh my god, it's so cute and so funny. I've got this saying that I now use whenever I go to press screenings and I don't like a film, I just say it wasn't for me, and that's the nicest I can be about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one thing that did make me cringe was that um, when they were reading that deleted email that Alex is sending to the girl that he likes, it was oh, God. Yeah. and I was just like, do kids just do that? But then I remembered what we used to do on MSN. <laughs> oh my God, and the login, the in and the out, and like, oh, you spend so long trying to pick the perfect lyric. Yeah, but I'm like, but do kids do that now? I don't know. I think what they probably more cringe, to be honest with you. I think kids are too cool these days. They don't know what cringe is. One more comparison while it's still in my head that I wanted to say with Wreck-It Ralph is that, which I wrote down before even in this conversation, the reveal that Hacker, what's it? Uh, Jailbait. I can't remember. Is Jailbreak. Jailbait? Oh, God, no. That's a dog. Oh, my God. Uh, well, um, Callum has emoji. That's a very different movie. Holy shit! <laughs> Jailbreak. She reveals herself to be the princess. I was like, oh, King Candy. You know, mm-hmm. like the reveal that they were actually someone else, and it's not on the same level at all. But there's just so many points of comparison that I think that it's really difficult. I shouldn't say it's really difficult for critics not to compare because that's their job. Do you know what I mean? Don't you should compare for the sake of comparing but there's a lot of of in a lot of parallels so i see why it is yeah i was wondering actually because we were talking a little bit there about kind of some of the themes of the film because i think a word that kept coming up a lot when i was looking through kind of reviews or production notes and that was the word communication which you know clearly emojis are used as like a simplified form of communication but i i didn't think it really did a whole lot with that outside of maybe the last third of it, but I was wondering what you two thought of that. Like almost nothing. I felt like the communication in the film was like not even really needed. Like I, I felt like the, the um, like the it's, it's not a MacGuffin, but like the pre- the outside premise of the movie, the crux of the movie, like oh my god, we're all gonna get deleted. Like I don't know, it just didn't feel it felt like that came as an afterthought not a forethought it felt like they were like we want a movie about emojis going on adventures and then they were like how do we get all of the emojis back at the end like how do we end the adventure what's the purpose of the adventure and what's the reason for the adventure to end felt like they came after they were just like let's take them on an adventure something like toy story it's like the feeling and the emotion and then the story came from that of, you know, feeling emotion of playing with toys and what if they were alive? Well, the premise of Toy Story is really what happens when you're not the favourite toy anymore because in the original mm. drafts, Woody's a villain because that yeah. is the whole, the whole crux of the movie is Woody's toy number one and a new toy number one comes whereas in. That, whereas that theme wasn't built on... Sorry, I'm going to go into my planning insight strategy <laughs> mode of work mm-hmm. now. 
the the campaign wasn't built on insight it was let's jump on this trend this fad and just do what we can with it and it wasn't it it, it doesn't have any substance so it Mm -hmm. didn't connect with people yeah one thing I, i did learn though that was interesting in terms of the whole gene being different um and fitting in and stuff apparently um Tony Leondis has done, um, there's been a quote, um, as he's gay, so he um, connected it to his own plight of being different in a world that expects you to be one thing. Apparently, um, eventually realising that the feeling held true for most people, he said that the film was very personal. And again, okay, so like, Tony Leondis has said that this, that the Emoji movie is a gay allegory, a love letter to his mother, and what was the other one? Oh, all about the emotions of young children. Like, it, to him, this is the pinnacle of cinema. This was his big break, and he wanted to put anything that laid anything down yeah. for any more opportunities. And I'm not saying this wasn't personal to him. In fact, this is probably the one that I believe the most. Yeah, um, In definitely. that, okay... They probably said, okay, we need to do an animated film about emojis. Um, let's just get a first time or second time, you know, a cheap director on. He's like, how can I make this my own? I want to write a story. I, you know, I feel different in a world. Let, let's, and then he probably built it out with other people. And then that was, that was the personal emotional core for him. And that's great. Yeah. But and I do, I do think like there's nothing. Answers. I do, I do think like there's nothing wrong with the emotional core of it. Like yes, obviously this was a cash grab movie, and obviously it's there to sell product. But as I said at the start, so is everything. Um, but like the the, the heart of the film, and it's a very small heart because they kind of forget about it until the end. This is the thing is, they forget about it. But the heart of the movie is like being different doesn't make you wrong. Being different can actually be your best attribute, which yes. is what Gene Lee learns by the end of the movie because he's able to save the phone because he helps the boy and the boy wins the girl because he is a bit different because yeah. he sends something different and he's kind of courageous in that way even though he doesn't do it on purpose um but my like, and I think that's that nice is that cliche can be really good if it's done well oh, and, it's no. <laughs> and it's not done well which means that it's so paint by numbers that you just forget that it's even got a point yeah. yeah, you know it's going to happen from the beginning, and you don't. I didn't particularly feel like it earned that by the end. I didn't feel connected to it, so I'm like, oh, of course, you know, we know that, you know, we know all know how this is going to end, and I just didn't enjoy the journey on the way to for it to feel emotionally connected to that result. So I didn't care. Yeah, the only kind of twist, shock, revelation in this film for me, well, there were two, but the only one the, that I felt was genuinely big. Um, was that we learned that Jailbreak is actually the princess emoji who ran away. I had just genuinely forgotten that she, the princess, was even ever a character. And when she's revealed that she's the princess, I was like, oh, yeah, they mentioned a princess earlier. Mm. I It not mattered to me. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, which I was getting really, like, kind of sus about what the point of Jean's parents were because they are like they get a lot of screen time they, and a lot of sc- yeah. they were completely unnecessary they did not need to be in the film whatsoever but I was like are we gonna find out because they're Mel and Mary meh and I was like are we gonna find out that Mary had an affair and she's really like <laughs> <laughs> but I want to see Mr. Smiler I want to see that movie because well, I was like he he's not a meh he can make multiple emotions so I was like did she is he not their baby like that's hilarious. 
And then when Mel comes and he's like, this is all my fault. I was like, oh my God, did he steal the baby? Like, was, it, was it not their baby? And it's like, they adopted the baby and that's why he's not a real Mel. All of these ideas are better than the idea that's actually in the movie. Um, please hire me to Hollywood. I'd be a terrible screenwriter, but I can just sit in the room and be weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just turns out that his dad can also do multiple emotions, but has been better at hiding it and never shown anyone. Which also then I thought was going to then lead to the end of the movie with them talking about how everyone can be different emotions and everyone can be different. Um, but yeah, no, it's, still, re- it's still just Jean. Isn't that um? Don't doesn't that happen with kind of with Lego Movie where they're like, you don't have to stay in your place, like you know, like whatever, yeah. like yeah. Yeah, that would have been even that tiny twist, not twist, the tweet. Development. Development. Even if you're like, yeah, I expected that, would have felt a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's strange because. Uh... See the poop emoji turn pink. Yeah. But <laughs> I know this might sound a bit counterproductive, but I also I found the fact that each emoji in the film has to represent one emotion. I thought that was counterproductive. And I was thinking to myself, you know, because mm-hmm. inside out, all the emotions in Riley's head all more or less have one emotion. And I was thinking, why do I like that but not the emoji movie? And I think it's because with something like Inside Out, the fact that joy is a bundle of joy all the time is actually a, f- a flaw as much as it is a strength in the context of the film. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just being bitter or hyperbolic again, but with with particularly with Jean's parents, their entire shtick is just them meh, you know, they, they're indifferent to everything. And so there were a lot of moments in the film where I, I think they were trying to be sincere, but I couldn't tell if they were being genuine or not, and that really threw me for a loop. And I think, like, what you said there is really, like, because, yeah, Joy, Joy's whole stick is she is happy all the time, but Joy is so much more than a, of a developed character. She's also, like, a micromanager and a control freak <laughs> and, like, all of these other things that aren't emotions, but they are personality traits. Whereas in this film, it's like, no, smiler smiles and meh says meh. Well, you're limited, aren't you? You're yeah. limited because it's just a, a pick thing it's not any depth especially because like excuse me but especially because someone like smilo the fact that she does have to be happy all the time you could you could create quite an interesting character of that particularly in a villainous role but i don't know my rudolph i think is perfectly fine as you say she's good in just about everything but i do think she was done a little bit dirty with the script she was handed yeah and i think i think it's it's interesting what daisy said about it kind of being pulled together and released within two years because i i do wonder if this film had had another year in the cooker actually if it could have been better if it could have just brewed a bit more maybe because mm-hmm. like apparently it was the fastest produced animated movie in history at the time Damn. i like it it might be just like maybe a lot of the things that i don't know you could argue are wrong with but maybe a lot of it is just a show of crunch time when they were making it because i do think Mm-hmm. Particularly watching it with, uh, I guess, with more mature eyes or something, whatever you want to say on that, I do think there are some ideas here that I do think, as you say, had there been more time, maybe something quite interesting could have come out of this. Any any more thoughts on the on the film itself? Um, what about the animation? I know you mentioned Claire that it's the same. So, do you say art direction from Pan's Labyrinth? Or? Yes. Let me see if I can find. Well, the it. animation was quite good, as you I say, nice. like really beautiful colors. Like it was really dynamic. Um, yeah. And it, I quite like Sony Pictures' um, sort of style. They do tend to be 
not the same in every film, but they do still have their own sort of house yeah. style. Um, so sorry, the production designer was Carlos Saragoza, and he was one of the art directors on Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, but, uh, can I just say, so that fact is blowing my mind because Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favourite films, so I'm in awe that... I'm in awe that somebody from that worked in the Emoji movie too. That's incredible. But like, I do think like, despite if you don't like the world and you don't like what it's portraying, I think it you're hard pushed to say that the world doesn't look good, mm-hmm, even if you mm-hmm. don't like it. Like everything is developed, everything looks right, and like yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, that I... did you just say meh? <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just trying to find. I'm just trying to find it. Find the meh for it. Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. I do think the animation's pretty good for the most part for what it is. I do think maybe some of the designs of a a little gridiron street pattern, but I suppose then again, so are the apps on a phone. So you know, didn't really have too much to work yeah, with on that. Yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll give them a pass on that. But yeah, the Sony animations and are generally yeah, words. What are they? But uh, Sony Sony animations are generally quite colourful and bright and nice. And I do think. Yeah, I think it's perfectly fine animation, not not Lego movie or inside out. Nice or anything, to not but... go for realism for ev- with every single every single studio. You know, like the ones that are going for realism are doing it really well. But I think there's a, there's a space for pop arty, fun, conceptual stuff that I think Sony are, are doing quite well. Yeah, and, and certainly maybe late, later on in the podcast we'll certainly get into that. But yeah, I think the animation's perfectly fine for what it is. Mm-hmm. Should we should we head on over to to some reviews and see how it did at the old box office? I have no information on any of this, so I'm going to just sit back and let you okay. two inform me, me take, other than me the Can I just I have one thing which I'll spoil you I normally let you announce it, but I'm still spoiling it because it's the only thing I looked up. This movie does have a higher audience score on Rotten Tomatoes than the Flintstones movie. <laughs> Flintstones wow. movie is still in the tw- in the in the twenties. This is in the thirties. If you are one of those people that, for whatever reason, thinks the Emoji movie is the shittest, most corporate sellout piece of shit ever made, then what you can do to stick it to them is to make a Rotten Tomatoes account, go onto the Flintstones nineteen ninety four, and give it a higher rating, and then you too can stick it to the Emoji movie. I love how you've gone from shouting at those people to. Let me use them for my personal gain. Can't beat them, join them. Can't beat them, join them, precisely. It's now this, what we benchmark things against. <laughs> um, much to Claire's contempt. You two can end this crisis by logging on to RussianFarmFans.com, making a account going to The Flintstones 1994, uh, starring John Goodman, Elizabeth Perkins and Rick Moranis. She's and please raise it up, because it's been on 24%. For the last um, two years, so other than me, no one's got. We're going to get some merch, we think, and spread the word. Oh my god! Someone at work the other day was wearing a Flintstones t-shirt, and I was like, oh "Stop god, it! I marry him." I never saw um, him again. Yeah, never saw him again. <gasps> Looked like it was from the movie as well. Where? Oh my god! This is it! This is it, Claire. Well, how will I know? Because I only saw the t-shirt. I wasn't looking at the face. I was oh. looking at the <laughs> looking at the t-shirt. Anyway, anyway um, we digress. Please take it away with the reviews. Please. It's not a it's not a W-rated episode unless we talk about the Flintstones. No. Um, well, should we just should we just head to let's head to Rotten Tomatoes then? Six. So we've got thirty-seven percent audience score, six percent critics. Um, the critics' consensus is simply a no symbol. 
like a red circle with a with a red line through it because you know emojis funny 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 um i think it might be the shortest critic consensus of any film on rotten tomatoes actually it's gotta be surely Uh, one one symbol um but yeah um some of the um reviews on there from critics um that i thought um was worth um flagging um Cambo Campbell from One Room of the View says one wishes that this movie could be erased from existence but from now for now let's hope that the burning wreckage acts as a warning to never ever do this again <laughs> um Claire's face <laughs> gobsmacked Wendy eyed at the observer strap yourself in for this oh one. god a strident palette of candy-coloured empty calories and poop jokes and a cynical message about accepting yourself have me searching for an emoji showing a dispirited film critic hanging from a noose fashioned from a phone charger cable. Like, okay, that's brilliant. That is, that's like, that's great writing. Like, yeah. genuinely applaud. Yeah. I love it. Very visual. Love it. But like... Poetry, but no. <laughs> but what has become of society if we're making suicide jokes yeah. about a kid's movie? Literally. Like, Come on. Yeah, Come it's. On. We're better than this. I, I, I love Wendy. I, she's an amazing writer. And, like, that that's a pretty good savage bit of writing. But I do think, yeah, the suicide joke over. I mean, I don't want to say, like, it's just a kid's. Over a kid's it's movie. like, yeah, may, maybe like, should have been considered. Hyperbolic. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, it's that's great writing. She's showing off her chops, but it's a kid's movie. So it's like, you're right, Claire. It's like good for like that's great writing good for you but it's like for the purpose of what you're supposed to be doing (laughs) um but yeah there was one um let i've kind of given it away now so i'll tell you but this this review actually wasn't rotten it was fresh um i thought i should tell you because it could be taken either way jake wilson um the age australia if i'm not dreaming i've just seen one of the boldest mainstream american movies in ages I saw that one actually. I do lie when I looked on Rotten Tomatoes before I got distracted. Before I got distracted at work. Before I stopped being distracted at work. <laughs> um, I did see that and was like, good for him. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm always glad when something can bring joy to someone as long as it's not hurting other people. So, um, Meta score, um, it had a 12, which is, I don't know if it's strictly at the time or, or still is, but it's the lowest rated animated film on the site. I have a few more um, related um, quotes from reviews there. Owen Gleverman from Variety said, there have been worse ideas, but in this case, the execution isn't good enough to bring the notion of an emoji movie to funky, surprising life. And I think that's probably the most spot on one that we've seen. Um, The whole thing just feels like an experiment that didn't go their way. They tried to replicate an experiment that's worked for other people, but they missed out a key ingredient, which was the heart or the the the, the emotion thread going for sure um and then emily Yoshida um for new york magazine vulture said it is one of the darkest most dismaying films i've ever seen <laughs> much less one ostensibly made for children which oh. again feels a little bit dramatic babe go watch a serbian film like oh god yes um, but that's the joke they're trying to make claire that it's as bad as a serbian film <laughs> 
honestly, honestly, just don't have time for this anymore. I just don't have the time for it in my life. I don't want to make any enemies in the film in, in the film journalist industry, but I would like to say, get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's not aimed at anyone in particular, but just the vibes from you know no i, I don't blame you I, I reread the review i wrote for this film back in 2017 and i i just cringed like crazy for all of it because like while i still have negative feelings towards the film overall I'm like god there was absolutely no reason for me to be this hyperbolically negative about it callum i think honestly it's just the expectation that is set for critics it would be imp- I, I, you can tell me if this is right or wrong, but I imagine that people would never want to be seen to like a film like this because of its ties with brands, and because it would they feel it would affect their reputation as critics. So they go the opposite way to try and seem. Oh, I, I review movies and I'm very important because, and then it just makes them look like literally like you just can't have fun like you're you you've you've taken it so far and listen i don't like the film but i think you've gone so far to make a point Aye. about a film that knows what it's doing that you've kind of made yourself look a little bit silly. yeah it's like it reminds me of like say the turning red reviews that are saying oh why didn't they talk about 9-11 or something like at that point at that at that point it's saying more about the reviewer than it is about the film isn't it yes for sure, for sure. Interestingly, I've just seen my old review, and it very much hin- it very much hinges on what I've just said. Funnily enough, I gave it three stars and said I actually enjoyed this, and therefore my opinion will no longer be credible. <laughs> 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 so I've just summed up. I've just summed it up there, really, haven't I? Yeah, my whole point. So speaking about. Um, reviews apparently um, they embargoed reviews until the last minute on the film's debut Um, the Sony Pictures president of worldwide marketing and distribution said the Emoji movie was built for people under 18 so we wanted to give the movie its best chance what other wide release with a score under 8% has north of 20 million dollars I don't think there is one Mm -hmm. I I mean he's doing his job so Um, in terms of the money that it made um Grossed $217 million worldwide against its $50 million production budget. Um, it premiered in the UK. I looked at the um, figures for the weekend. Claire, I don't know if you remember what you were doing that weekend. You like Your, your memory is usually very, very good. I have. Uh, oh, 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 do you know what? I think I do know what I was doing that weekend and it's um, not, not, not safe for Not safe work. for pod. <laughs> Amazing. Last um, weekend, I think it was. Well, I can tell you what was going on in the cinema. <laughs> you do that, it probably had second behind Dunkirk on its third week on Dunkirk's Dunkirk's third week. In terms of other releases, um, in their first week, it just beat Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Um, Why is that not on the bottom one hundred? I heard that was absolutely atrocious. Well, I've heard it's more. What's his face? That's bad. Uh, Dane DeHaan? No, um, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, that, that's, no, that's, that's Jupiter Ascending, film. isn't it? That's Jupiter Ascending. I think they're basically kind of the same film. I mean, they? they're the same film in my head. <laughs> Sorry to all those that made both of those. Interestingly, should we? do you guys want to take a guess at the cinema score? Mm, um, I'm going to go with 45. 
Oh, sorry, the grade, the grades, the oh, grades. Okay, ones. I'm going to go with C. C. Okay. I, I'd be inclined to agree, but I remember reading somewhere that it was one of the few that had an F, so I'm going to guess that. It was a B. Oh, wow. Which is quite, I think it's, I, I wonder, I'm going to go out on a limb, potentially the highest cinema score of a bottom 100 film. Oh, I'd, probably, yeah, I'd Because most of the time when they mention it in our research, it's also got an F. Can someone um, please just deposit a large sum of money into my Revolut or PayPal account so that when my contract at work ends, I can just take a month off and just sit and do the statistics for the podcast? Oh, that would be so much um, fun. Because I would love, I would like go and sit in a WeWork and like be stat scale for the day. I'm sorry, but as a data nerd, that's really excited for me and I really want us to do that at some point. <laughs> So, okay, so you're going to have to give us more money. But, like, yeah, if someone could please deposit some money into our bank accounts to give us a month paid work to be um, stat nerds, we would like that. Thank you. Thank you very much. person that's listening, offs. But until then, we shall continue doing it alongside our full-time jobs. Um, What other interesting things? Saudi Arabia lifted a 35-year ban on movie theatres, and this was the first movie publicly shown in the country. I mean, it's... And then they shut them down again. <laughs> like, I, said, I, I could make several dark jokes about that, but I'm not going to. Wow. Wow. It was a good this fact, film, isn't it? This film is iconic for so many reasons. Yeah. For so many reasons, I never knew. And listen, Saudi Arabia didn't even know it was queer cinema. Snuck in. <laughs> Queer hero emoji movie. Breaking those Saudi Arabian rules. Gay icon. Gay icon emoji. Yeah, it's, it's, movie. <laughs> it's a transnational legend, apparently. So, this was the first feature length animated movie nominated for Razzies for Worst Picture, Worst Director, and Worst Screenplay. And eventually, this movie won all five Razzies for which it was nominated, including Worst Picture and Worst Director. So, worst picture, it was up against Baywatch, Fifty Shades Darker, The Mummy, and Transformers for last night. Um, the only one of them I've seen is Baywatch, which was not a good movie, but not so bad that it's the worst picture of that year, I'm sure. Um, worst director, again, Emoji Movie Mother, Transformers for last night, Fifty Shades Darker, and The Mummy. Um, what else? Worst screen combo, any two obnoxious emojis. Um against Fifty Shades, Transformers, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Boo 2. Uh, worst screenplay, Baywatch, Fifty Shades, Jark of the Mummy, Travelers. I feel like that year the people who nominated, did the nominations in the Razzies had only seen five movies, which yeah. were Baywatch, The Emoji Movie, Fifty Shades, Jark of the Mummy, and Transformers The Last Night. Go see more movies, guys. I reckon they probably pick what they think is going to be bad and then just go with that. I think it, they, it, it's a ballot system, so like they pick whatever gets nominated oh. the most. Oh, so okay, it's enough. always going to be the biggest films because yeah. more, more people will have seen them. But like it's suspicious, like every single category is just so safe. By yeah, like, boring. But as we've mentioned before, it's every single awards. Would have um, been really easy for us to do that episode, though. We would have only had to watch five films, not twenty bloody however many we did. Don't don't remind me. A few letterboxed um, reviews. I've already shared my one. Um, Todd um, gave it 2.5 and he said, so to get this out of the way, this film is horrible. Any of you that have given it half a star are completely valid. In fact, the first time I watched this movie, I gave it half a star. But the big difference this time watching it is that I've basically given up on society now. <laughs> um, and then 
NC Luke one two three gave it a five and said, "This is the movie. Sorry, this is the move that should be shown to the aliens when they come to Earth to teach them about our culture." Yeah, I, I could see a case for it. Speaking about ratings, should we do a round robin? What are we thinking? Callum, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, so like 2017 me, when I reviewed it, that it was a flat zero. But looking at it, wow. but w- watching it now with hopefully a bit more wisdom, I would still, to be honest, I would still say like a one out of five. But it's the one out of five where I'm like, really? but it's the one out of five where I'm like, it's just a bit naff and I move on with my life. I don't think it's, I mean, okay, I don't think it's particularly groundbreaking. I think elements of it are a little lazy, but but I suppose it's not that offensive in the grand scheme of things. I think what you've been saying, Claire, has kind of made me really reevaluate some of my thoughts on it. Interesting, because usually I'm the one that gets influenced. <laughs> I'm just, guys, I'm an influencer, all right? Please, please send me my swag. Please, anyone, just send me stuff. I'm really poor and I need things. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, watching the film again, I... I know I'm not in the target audience that much, is obvious, but I just found it kind of boring and a little soulless overall, more than anything else. Yeah. And okay, there are bits and pieces that could be interesting, or God forbid, a couple of bits I actually did genuinely chuckle at, but I just, I don't know, I just think this is, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's my Marvel fatigue coming out or something. I just think it's a very, a very, as you say, Claire, it's very unsubtle in its attempts to be a piece of corporate media. And fair play to it for just saying, "Yep, that's what we are. Deal with it." But that doesn't—that doesn't mean that I still don't find. Doesn't mean you have to enjoy it either. So, Claire, uh, I give it three stars. It's a, it's a low three stars. Like if we were going statistically, it might even be like a two point eight because you'd round that up to three. Mm-hmm. But like, it's a it's a completely mid. It's like I watched it. I it it's a captured film. my attention for the the runtime. It didn't overstay its welcome. I laughed at a few jokes. I my eyes felt stimulated, and it ended. And I went, oh well, that was a way to spend an hour, an hour and two, an hour and a bit. And then I moved on with my life because that is uh, I've I've unplugged from film Twitter. I watched a film. I accepted the film happened, mm-hmm. and then I had no further thought. She wow, says on a film concept. I'm like, I've just connected from film Twitter on my fucking privately run film podcast. <laughs> I, I'm with you on exactly what you sort of shared behind your reasonings. Except I've given it two point five for the same reason. Um, I think three stars for me would be a little bit more something for me to be like mm, okay yeah sure this was really just straight down the road for me it didn't it didn't the thing it, it neither overtly offended me nor did it inspire me in any way it was just so middle of the road and it's a shame because like as much as back when I was like oh I actually did enjoy this I gave it three stars I probably in the rating system that I currently use it probably would have been higher based mm. on how I used to feel um but yeah, no, it's just neither gave me nor took took it away. Yeah. So, and I shan't be 
planning to watch this anytime again soon there's plenty of other family or and and or animated films that i would yeah. much rather spend my time watching but like if one of my nephews my i've got a, a three-month-old nephew and an 11 year old nephew <laughs> if at any point in their lives they they wanted to watch this i wouldn't be like no absolutely not yeah, watching yeah. it whereas there are some other kids movies and there are some other animated movies that i'm like no i'm not watching that and um, yeah. whereas this one like it wouldn't i wouldn't suggest it i wouldn't be like yes but like if they put it on i'd be like oh that's on okay mm-hmm. i'd maybe try and guide them more towards something i enjoy quoting whilst watching <laughs> and that is why i put the detective pikachu movie on last time i hung out oh, with my nephew great great film very very twisty Anyway, um, aside from that, I don't think this film deserves to be on the list. I think it should be saved. I think everyone is mean and grumpy and everyone just needs to go and have a Snickers. Is this is this completely mad? I don't think it deserves to be on the bottom 100, but I'm not bothered about saving it. That's fine. So I'm like, listen, you don't deserve to be down there, but mm-hmm. you're not coming to live with me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You don't deserve the life that you've got, but I'm not going to help you either. <laughs> it's not trying to be offensive. It's like... It, it's literally trying to just amuse children for yeah. a little bit and maybe sell some shit. And it's like, yeah. hello, that was how Hollywood was. Yeah, formed. that's literally the biz. This is the business. Like, this is a business model. Unfortunately, we had a rogue emoji in our servers during the episode and we lost the last 20 minutes of Callum's audio. He's very kindly re-recorded his fantastic top three section, but just in case you're wondering where he is for the end, rest assured he hasn't been deleted. Enjoy! So I'm recording this wee bit to give in my personal top three of the Sony Picture Animations list that me, Claire and Daisy discussed at the end of the pod. And interestingly enough, it took me until looking over the list of the Sony Sony Picture Animations to realise how many films of theirs are actual bangers. So this was quite hard to pick, but I think I've got a top three that I'm pretty happy with. And so at number three, I'm going with the Ardman Picture for Christmas, which is a really, really lovely Christmas movie that I've I've always had a soft spot for, and I think it's really underrated. The 2010s didn't really have too many great Christmas films, or at least none that really stick out in my mind, personally. There's this, there's Anna and the Apocalypse, there's a couple of others, maybe, but that's pretty much it. And what I love about Arthur Christmas It's not just its, like, Wallace and Gromit-style sense of humour, it's really, really lovely characters, and especially James McAvoy's voice acting, which is just on point. But I love the message it has for its audience, that the Christmas spirit and Christmas traditions, it's something that's for everyone, whether you celebrate it in an old-fashioned sense or in a new way, it just says that Christmas is something for everybody, and I just really really love it about that film. I think it's absolutely lovely and more people need to check it out. And so for number two, uh, number one and number two were kind of interchangeable for me personally. I really had a tough time choosing which one was which, but for number two, I've decided to go with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which 
you know, this might be a bit of a hot take for me, but I think it does in one film better than what the Marvel Cinematic Universe does in like 25 or however many films they've got now. I think it's just the ultimate crossover superhero movie. Not only does it have these utterly incredible animated visuals, like we use the expression it's like a comic book come to life over and over again, but this literally looks like a comic book come to life. It's like the pages of a comic book have leapt out onto the screen. The colours are amazing, the humour is amazing, the action is amazing. And I feel it really gets to the heart of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. The idea that underneath this mask and this sense of heroism is just this kid. But never mind that. The fact that this kid could be anybody, whether that's Peter Parker or Gwen Stacy, an anime girl or Nicolas Cage or even a cartoon pig if this room's anything to go by. I just think it's really, really wonderful and honestly comfortably the best superhero film of the past few years. But that brings me to number one, which is quite a recent film from Sony Picture Animations, and that is The Mitchells vs. The Machines. And no doubt, I feel, uh, Claire in particular is going to be really, really enthusiastic about this film. I know how much she loves it, and for good reason. It's so, so brilliant. Like, the characters are incredible, the comedy is just hilarious, the voice acting from... Uh, Olivia Coleman as an evil iPhone to uh, Danny McBride. It's all just so, so wonderful. The characters are brilliant. The story is brilliant. The visuals are utterly dazzling and so creative. The uh, LGBTQ plus representation is really good as well. But I also just think, I also just think that its core message about family and love and value and sacrifice is all so resonant, it's all so powerful and so smartly told. There's even one moment in The Mitchells vs. The Machines that I get quite teary-eyed at, and it's surprising because I'm not much of a crier when it comes to cinema. There's a lot of really heartwarming moments, but nothing that I would say I've shed a tear out of anything. This movie has that. It's that bit where Rick has to, well, not to spoil the film, but Rick has to give up something that he's been really, really passionate about. And his wife says to him, uh, like, I'm sorry, I know this must be hard for you. But he looks at Katie, his young daughter, realizes that he's giving that up for her. And he says, you know what, it's actually really easy. It's just, it's such a lovely moment of sincerity and love. And really, underneath all the amazing humor and great action, that really just sums this film up in a nutshell. It's, I guess, to quote uh, Vin Diesel, it's about family, and that's why I love it so much. That's really sweet. The bit that, like, I've seen it a number of times and hysterically cry every time. Which it's like the the joyous bit of the movie, but it just makes it makes me completely break down. Is um at the end where Rick and Katie have to save the day and they surf to the Mayahi song. The m- minute that song kicks in, I completely break down. Um, like the first time I watched it when that happened, I cried for like a solid ten minutes. Um, and when I got to go, I've spoken about it before. When I got to go to um the Q&A with Lord and Miller about it and they actually said that's the point in which they cry too and I was like oh my god I'm not insane it was designed that way thank god <laughs> so my first pick isn't they're not in any particular order um my first pick is my dream come true 
I still wish for this to happen every single day, um, ignoring the fact that it goes horribly wrong, uh, is uh, food falling from the sky, aka cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Um, I think it was called something else first, and that was a bit another play on um, words, uh, food pun, but I can't remember. Um, but it's it's another Lord and Miller. It's freaking hilarious. Tons of visual visual gags, tons of word puns, uh, food puns. Sorry, and it, it looks great. The cast have a lot of fun. Um, I I think I have seen the sequel, but definitely not as much. And it's just like a nice little. I don't know, it's just like a bit of a comfort film as well. I'm quite happy to just pop it on in the background. Like, I like him as a little kid, the main guy, like, when he's inventing things and they've got, like, the whole mayor of the town in a Jaws-esque kind of vibe and he's got, like, a big, massive quiff and, yeah, there's a big baby because he's, like, the baby that's once the town. It's just very iconic, I'm just saying. You can't run away from your own feet. <laughs> That's it. I'm watching it tonight. <laughs> this that's always happens. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my first choice. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, that would have been in my top three if we could have the same movies. I think we'd probably end up having the same top I three I love movies. how we probably decided what we wanted based on what we knew the other people wanted so that we had different things. Um, no, I just knew I wanted either Spider-Man or Mitchell's and then I didn't. Well, I wanted Spider-Man, Mitchell's or Cloudy. I left Thanks. them well, for you. I thought you'd give. I thought you'd give me Mitchell's because I think you used that previously, and you've got a new one where and you don't want to. Have I used it? What have I used it for? Apocalypse. No, I don't think I did. Oh, maybe you used Cloudy for Apocalypse then. No, but I mentioned it because we mm-hmm. mentioned it. I was like, oh, in which case I could have done that. I didn't do any animated for End of the World. Oh, then it oh, must have been it. our lovely guest Petros. It was, yeah. Um, but no, um, I, I, I've gone a, li- I've gone a little bit away from mainstream Thanks. because I can this time I can't every time so <laughs> whereas I really struggled this time right and um, so I'm going to take Mitchell's versus the machines mm-hmm. because um it is possibly one of my favorite movies of all the time ever I think we spoke about it with Petros we've spoken about it here with Callum um I've written about it in a few places um it's a film about a weird nerdy film lover who doesn't fit in who has a really loving relationship with her father and he doesn't always understand her but they have weird little in-joke bonds and it makes you cry like a fucking insane person Mm -hmm. um and it's beautiful wonderful film and um fucking canto because mitchell's deserves that oscar (laughs) yeah i mean i didn't i don't really follow um awards and i didn't know that that had won out over that and that makes me a little bit sad to be honest yeah i love mitchell's is Mitchell's is also like it completely changes how animation is made. They made new animation to yeah. make that movie. Yeah. Okay. My second choice has already been mentioned. It's Arthur Christmas, which I absolutely love. And it's genuinely one of my favorite Christmas films. And I feel like it's severely underrated. Um, again, just bloody hilarious and a fantastic voice cast. Um, I can't remember who the who the main guy is, but the grand the, the granddad is Bill Nye, and it is the funniest thing. He is just like it's my favorite quotes are him basically having a go at the young like young after Christmas, and he's like, "Have you spent all your time on that calculator?" And it's just like proper like I don't know, it's just very English like Cockney like displaying like family dynamics and stuff it's just a very innovative different kind of christmas film brought into like 
you know, like how it's just like, oh, we're going to do like a modern twist and it never, never lasts. No one ever remembers it. But this, this, I think they did really well. And it's, even though it's a modern, modern twist on this idea of Father Christmas and the fat and the Christmas, like the Claus family, it's still timeless in it, in it, in itself. It's kind of like a sci-fi twist on it, which is kind of ageless in, in that sense. Um, and it's just like, it's fun. Um, I think there's a bit of something for everyone in it. The animation's really nice. And I don't really like cringe and cheese, but it's got just about the right amount. And the little girl in it is voiced by the girl that was in um, Outnumbered and she does really well in it. Like, it's really nice. It always strikes me. And again, I wrote about this for Film Stories. Like, Sony Animation has such a wonderful um, history of, like, dad films, which I think mm. is why I love their films so much. And After Christmas seems like another one. That's a really um, good point, because Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, I think it's Oh, my just God, the dad, dad relationship. Yeah. But the, and, his and his dad's relationship is so crucial to that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's the guy, it's, you can just see his eyebrows and his moustache, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then he, like, and he can't emote and he can't communicate with yeah. his son. And oh shit! I never realised. Yeah, and then the, yeah, Spider Verse, like his relationship yeah. is so important with his dad. It's almost like you should have read my article on film stories about fatherly love as shown in the Sony Pictures Animation Universe. I hadn't watched Mitchell's versus Machines at the time, uh. <laughs> but I'll go back and, watch, and read it now. Yeah. <laughs> A good plug. Yeah, no, I just I didn't I kind of because I've not seen Off Christmas. Yeah, it's just um taking taking more of those boxes. Um, I'm going to be greedy then if Daisy is absolutely sure she does not want it and take Spider-Man into the Spider-Man. I mean, I would have it. I would 100% have it. It would be my number one. I mean, it's because I'll take a different number two and you can take it as your number three. No, no, no. No, I've got got a spare. I've got a spare. Claire is definitely winning this week now. That's fine. (laughs) Thank you. One in the bag. Um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, we've talked about it before. What hasn't been said about it? What a fucking fantastic, amazing piece of cinema. Oh, Um, animation. I I believe that the second one is actually coming out this year. It's been pushed back, I think. Oh, it's been pushed back Mm -hmm. now. Um, I was surprised. I think I didn't know it was coming out so soon, which is probably why when it got pushed back, I didn't clock. Um, But yeah, great stuff. Um, made me go back and read some of the Spider Gwen comics, which is always cool. And she's really cool, and I like her animation, and I like the whole film. And um, just yeah, really brought was... that comic style mm-hmm. to the animation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was really, I was really blown away with that watching that in the cinema because I just didn't, yeah. I just didn't expect it at all. And it just, I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember it being advertised at all. No, I found out I... about mm. it through word of mouth online because people kept being like, "Oh my god, go and see yes, this film." Yes, oh right. I was more film. drawn by word of mouth, definitely. Yeah. I feel like it kind of really flew under the radar a little bit until it burst. Mm. My my little my little bench warmer that I'm bringing up. But you were gonna say my little pony, and I was like, Daisy, that one. My little me. pony. No, my little bench warmer that I'm bringing into the four because I want to rewatch it. Actually, um, I don't really remember much about it, but all I'll say is there's penguins and surfboards, so <laughs> I don't need to know much more than that. Surfs up, surfs up, baby. That's my third choice. I loved this as a kid. My my little brothers at my um on my dad's side of the family we used to watch this. It was fun. I promise you, don't remember a single thing about it. But what I do want to do now is rewatch it. I just remember really loving it as a kid. So I'm, I'm guessing the penguins surf and have a surf competition. They do. There's like an island of the kind of penguins that have the yellow bits here. The ro- are they rock hoppers? Yes, like they're rock hoppers. Rock hoppers. Um, I remember there being you know the the, the classic the classic like dopey you know clearly high but it's a kid's film so we can't (laughs) you know surf a penguin apparently i just looked it up apparently or problematically 
Um, the the main guy is voiced by Shia LaBeouf. Um, the I think the love interest is voiced by Zoe Deschanel. Uh, Jeff Bridges is Big Z. Oh damn! Oh, it's, oh, he. I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite a decent starting lineup. Um, problematically, James Woods in there as well, but we can't deny that he has got a fantastic voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like controversial, just throwing something, throwing a film in there that I don't remember the first thing about. <laughs> but all I know is that I loved it as a kid. So, I nostalgia works for me a hundred percent. So I know that I'll still love it now. <laughs> when I rewatch it. I rewatched Over the Hedge after our <laughs> recording of uh, Cosmic Sin and I'm sorry that shit holds up. So oh. hoping the same <laughs> surfs up. Um it's funny that you say like you would go controvert or like odd pick for one you didn't remember because if I had not have got both um Mitchells mm-hmm. and Spider Man, I would have had to go for probably Hotel Transylvania, which right. I know I've seen. I rewatched not- all of those recently. I watched the first two when I was like either unwell or hungover or depressed. I remember watching them in bed in the dark Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I actually stayed awake for the whole film. I couldn't tell you what happens in the film other than there's a hotel with monsters and I'm like, that was in the trailer. But I do know I've seen it. So I was glad I didn't have to pick that. Um, I'm going to be super lazy um, and I'm going to pick Cloudy with a chance of equals two because... I just, it's nowhere near as good as the original. I don't remember um, the second one. I didn't, I was really disappointed the first time I saw it because the first time I saw the first one, I was like completely blown away. And the second one just doesn't hit the heights. But I remember I rewatched it a couple of years ago and actually it wasn't as bad as I thought. Mm. Um, it's a bit silly, but it's still got all that heart. It's still got really fun animation. Um, they find an island of food that has become sentient. And um, they have to save the food. And I don't think I've seen it, you know. Um, and it's cool. So first one's my dream. The second one's my nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But there's a really cute strawberry. Uh, maybe I haven't watched. I don't know. You've probably seen the trailer as the problem. Because yeah, the trailer was right. like right. really right. heavily marketed, right. that trailer. Because okay. the trailer put me off going to see it because it was shown so much. I was like, oh, I don't want to see this anymore. Cool. Well, I just want to go and watch loads of animated films now. Mm-hmm. Um, But... Yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this episode on, um, I forgot what we were talking about. The Emoji Movie. Oh, I don't want to think about that. I want to think about penguin surfing. Um, <laughs> we want to know if you guys have seen it. Are you going to watch it now that you've heard our um, review? Um, and does it deserve a place on the bottom 100? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WRatedPod. And on letterbox at W rated if you want to get in touch. Um, Callum, where can we find you? And is there anything that you want to shout about today? Uh, I want to say thank you so much to both Claire and Daisy for having me on this podcast episode. It was so, so great to be on and just talk about the Emoji Movie with you guys, which is something I never thought I'd ever say. But it was such a real, it was such a fun discussion. And if you're looking for where you can find me personally. Uh, I am on Twitter at Callum underscore H underscore Cooper. There you can find me talking about, you can find me talking about films, maybe occasionally spouting anti-Tory stuff, but you can find my reviews, which is where I link them at, at my Twitter handle. You can, I tend to write for In Their Own League, Flick Feast, and a couple of other places. But you can also find the link to a podcast that I co-host with my good friend Simon Whitlock, Little Women in Black Thunderpants, where me and Simon 
talk about the film starring Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, and Rupert Grint outside of the Wizarding World, essentially talking about these great actors while removing the problematic elements that come with the franchise that made them famous. Claire, where can we find you on the socials? As I have said many times in this episode, if this episode has traumatised you in any way, or you want to give me some money, or you want to help me make a Monopoly movie, or you want to give the Flintstones a higher rating, um, you can at me at WRatedPod. Yeah, she's lurking. She's there. Um, And you can find me on Twitter at DaisyVicEdwards, and on Instagram and letterboxed DaisyVictoriaEdwards. Thank you so much for coming on, Callum. It's been lovely to have you talk about this film with us. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, If you are enjoying listening to our podcast, please give us a follow or subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, a rating or a review. And we hope you can join us for the next episode where we take on our next worst rated movie. See you then. Thank you.